Welcome to The Expert Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thanks for listening. The 1950s were times of incredible discoveries for psychiatric medications. Since then, we have been better able to understand how they work and to fine-tune some of their aspects. In that same decade, one class of medications were born as an antibiotic but turned out to be a very good antidepressant. But it had some potential problems, and despite its effectiveness, many fears surrounded its use. Much of that has changed. Joining us today to further explore and explain the nature of this class of medication is Stefan Quinzel, who is a psychiatrist at Beth Israel Medical Center in New York City. Dr. Quinzel, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Now, in the course of this interview, we will be discussing ways to approach and use the monoamine oxidase inhibitors. Our comments are not individual treatment recommendations. How anyone uses or mixes any medication has to be an individual decision based on the clinical needs of a patient after a discussion with the physician. Also, just as a matter of definition, we will be referring to the monoamine oxidase inhibitors as MAOIs. You'll hear it said both ways. Okay, let's begin. How is an MAOI different from the more common, well-known antidepressants? What's different about them? Many antidepressants have different mechanisms of action when we stop and look at it. Much of what we use these days is some sort of reuptake inhibitor. The MAOIs work differently, although their efficacy results are the same, but it's always good to understand the various mechanisms of action that we have access to. The MAOIs work by interfering with monoamine oxidase. That's the enzyme that breaks down serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine, the neurotransmitters that we believe play a major role in regulating mood. So if we can increase the amount of serotonin or norepinephrine or dopamine in the brain by interfering with the mechanism that breaks it down, we think that that triggers a cascade of events that ultimately ends with relief of depression and anxiety problems. So the older antidepressants, if we can put it this way, they basically recycle what's been already produced, but the MAOIs actually try to give a greater availability of the hormones themselves, increases the blood level, so to speak? Correct. It increases the amount available to the central nervous system by interfering with the body's natural process for breaking down those neurotransmitters. And by having more, we found that that triggers chemical activity that ultimately ends with relief of depression and anxiety. Why has there been so much hesitancy about using the MAOIs? What's the history there? One has to do with dietary constraints when one uses an oral MAOI, when one takes the pill form, and the other concern has been drug-drug interactions with MAOIs. One has MAO in one's gut, and that regulates the absorption of tyramine, amino acid, into the system. Tyramine plays a large role in blood pressure, and so when you have a flood of tyramine, your blood pressure can go up dangerously high. Mother Nature has done a great job of regulating the flow of tyramine or the absorption of tyramine into the body by using MAO in the gut. When one swallows an inhibitor of monoamine oxidase, one interferes with the MAO in the gut that controls the absorption of tyramine. That allows tyramine to rush in and cause what can be dangerously high blood pressure increases. The foods, however, are narrow in number, but any variation from the strict diet can lead to high blood pressure. It's mostly foods that are fermented, soy sauce, sauerkraut, tap beer, tofu, aged cheeses, not all cheeses, just aged cheeses. Wine is fine. There was a myth that wine is a problem, but it's actually okay. The list is limited, but it's a true potential problem. And when one is suicidal in one's depression, giving the opportunity to kill oneself by simply eating the wrong food when you take the medicine, that was a problem in trying to treat depressed patients. The other issue was drug-drug interaction. Some of that had to do with the fact that if your blood pressure was already dysregulated because of improper diet, 
diet, if you already had the dysregulation of tyramine, so your blood pressure was already raised, if you take adrenergic agents, other medicines that stimulate the adrenaline system, you could get a double whammy and end up with even higher and more dangerous blood pressure. Mixing with serotonin medicines, that's always been a concern, but that's not unique to the MAOIs in that we don't mix two potent serotonin medicines for risk of inducing serotonin syndrome. So medicines that have been serotonin active are not mixed with the MAOIs, but then again, they're not mixed with each other. The one place where we found serotonin syndrome could happen was with some of the pain medicines, particularly methadone and tramadol, but close regulation allows us to avoid the problem of drug drug. But nonetheless, drug interactions were a real concern, particularly with the oral MAOIs, because there was more blood pressure dysregulation and therefore more risk in using any medicines that are stimulating, even cold medicines that have a pseudofed, pseudoephedrine in them. So this became quite an issue then. So if someone needed to go to an MAOI as an antidepressant, there was a whole package attached to it. It required very strict adherence on both the doctor's and the patient part. The diet had to be explained, the patient had to be committed to avoiding the dangerous foods, and the doctor had to be well aware about medicines that mix poorly with the MAOIs. Of course, not all risk is the same, so it took a lot of preparation for the clinician to understand the level of risk that one medicine versus another medicine versus a third medicine might represent when mixed with an MAOI. There's a new formulation of the MAOI on the market right now, and I want to get to that in a moment because there are some very significant differences. But before we go into that, is there a pattern of depression or anxiety or something else perhaps that would warrant a doctor saying to the patient, it's time to start an MAOI? When do we shift from the common Prozac, so to speak, to one of the MAOIs? When push comes to shove, the efficacy, the, the response and remission rates have not changed in the 60 years from the MAOIs in the beginning to the most modern antidepressants now. And mechanism of action has not really played a role, whether you're stimulating serotonin or adrenaline or both, or you mix in dopamine with them. We have not been able to improve efficacy of the antidepressants, unfortunately. So what we tend to do is rank the order of use by other concerns. One concern might be money, but a more common concern is side effects and safety. So the MAOIs typically, the oral ones for sure, typically come last in the order, not because they are weaker, but because they are more difficult to work with, particularly for the safety issues. And again, giving somebody who's suicidal a way to kill himself is something we hesitate to do. So that's why the MAOIs mostly have been relegated to last place when one's looking for or the order in which one uses medicine. And in fact, the modern, the very current APA guidelines for treating major depression have the oral MAOIs used late in the game. The MAOIs have some research that show that they work well for what's called atypical depression, the reactive type of depression. What's a reactive depression? As opposed to depressions that roll in on their own, where we say, you know, no matter if the times are good or bad, your chemistry leads you to depression. Some folks who meet criteria for major depression are more reactive in their depression and responding to stressors and, and bad events. It also tends to be a lethargic depression. But as much evidence as there is actually for the MAOIs helping greater perhaps than other antidepressants with atypical depression, there's plenty of data the other way that says it's one big tie. So really the modern approach is not subject 
subtyping, because we really do not understand chemical differences between subtypes of depression, atypical depression, anxious depression, agitated depression, vegetative depression, suicidal depression, painful depression, male versus female, young versus old. We really do not have a model to explain differences in the chemistry. So once you meet criteria for major depression, every antidepressant is a legitimate choice in having equal efficacy. And again, as I was saying, we tend to make choices based on things like side effect profile and safety, sometimes cost, sometimes ease of dosing, but we don't have a particularly good way of targeting the depression itself by different subtypes of the chemistry of major depression. So over the course of the 40, 50 years that we've had antidepressants, some people respond to one medication and not another. This is one of the genetic differences, perhaps, that we bring into our depressions. And we've always learned that the MAOIs do have a role, but as you said, they haven't been used as aggressively. There is a new formulation of the MAOI on the market. It's actually an old medication, selegiline, in a new delivery system. It's actually a patch. Can you tell us why this delivery system is different? Bringing the MAOIs back into common use through the patch is significant because anything we can do to broaden our choices in treating depression is critical. Your point is well taken that every individual has a different chemistry. So the more choices we have in trying to match a medicine to that chemistry, the better our odds are ultimately of helping gain relief from the depression and also from anxiety problems. The patch has been a real push forward. It's selegiline, which comes from the tradition of treating Parkinson's disease because that by definition is a loss of dopamine. Selegiline at low dose is an MAOB inhibitor. There's two types of MAO in the big picture. A type tends to break down serotonin and norepinephrine or adrenaline, and the B type, dopamine. So at lower doses, selegiline is primarily targeting at increasing dopamine by interfering with its breakdown, and that can help Parkinson's patients. But it's been discovered that higher dosing kicks in an active MAOA piece, and so we get the traditional neurotransmitters for anxiety and depression relief, serotonin and norepinephrine or adrenaline, and we find that we now have selegiline to help us with mood and anxiety. By putting it into a patch form, it has been a critically significant move forward. By not swallowing the medicine, you are not interfering with the regulation of tyramine in the gut. And that means that the absorption of tyramine is much, much, much harder to induce, and therefore we're much less prone to raise blood pressure. A little bit of the medicine that is absorbed through the skin does get deposited in the gut because the intestines are so well vascularized and the blood flow going through there is carrying the selegiline that was absorbed through the skin. A little tiny bit gets deposited there, and so we do find a dose relationship where it interferes with tyramine regulation in the gut. But it's a mere fraction of the amount of interference with tyramine regulation that happens when you take an oral form of an MAOI. So the blood pressure problems have simply not been there. It takes staggeringly high amount of food that's rich in tyramine, and that's rare to happen. And that's why in the lower dose form of the patch, there are no dietary restrictions. It's an amazing change given those of us who grew up with MAOIs years ago. Yes, the FDA has approved selegiline patch for treating major depression, although off-label it's used certainly for anxiety disorders, and they do not require dietary restrictions at the smallest size patch, 6 milligrams. They do require it at the 9 and the 12 milligram patch, but that's really they're erring on the side of caution. You still need to eat a staggeringly high amount of tyramine to flood the system in the gut beyond which the remaining tyramine can be regulated through the remaining MAO. So even at the highest patch, the 
the chances of inducing dangerously high blood pressure is remote. Lots of clinicians ask patients to monitor somewhat their diet, but they're not fanatical about it. They don't have to be truly committed to none of the tyramine-rich foods the way they have to be with the oral MAOI. So the risk is considerably different, even on the largest patch. Should someone choose not, or by accident, not follow the proper dietary constraints, still the likelihood that they've induced high blood pressure is remote compared to the damage potentially done from an oral MAOI. So our level of safety, even recognizing the FDA warning against certain tyramine-rich foods in the higher dose patch, even given those warnings on a high-dose patch, like 9 or 12 milligrams in 24 hours, should one eat the wrong food, the likelihood of a dangerously high rise in blood pressure is remote. And so we're talking about a much safer way of delivering the MAOI antidepressants than we've had in the last 60 years of their use. By the same token, many patients need more than one psychiatric medication. There tended to be a real fear to mix an MAOI with other medications. Now, we always have to be prudent, but what restrictions are there now insofar as mixing an MAOI, the patch form, with other medications? People are always concerned about this. When they go to the pharmacist, the pharmacist will very often say, oh, do you realize you're on an MAOI? And we have to educate the pharmacist how to properly educate the patient. What does a person have to worry about? All drug-drug interactions are not the same as far as risk is concerned. By using the patch delivery system for its fledgling as an MAOI, we've reduced the concerns. We've not eliminated, but we've reduced the concerns about drug interactions between MAOIs and other medicines. And that's important because any move forward adds safety. We can break down the drugs that are contraindicated with MAOIs in general and with fledgling in particular and look at the different risk profiles. One big category are serotonin-rich medicines. Those are mostly the antidepressants and medicines like that, but it can also include triptans for migraine control, things like that. Those medicines should not be mixed with MAOIs, not because there's something unique about the selegiline, but because we don't mix two high-potency serotonin medicines at any time. And so while we wouldn't mix an SSRI and an SNRI, generally speaking, because of our concern for increasing serotonin syndrome risk, we don't mix serotonin medicines with the selegiline patch. But that, again, is, is a common constraint on using serotonin medicines. The second big category are adrenergic or stimulatory medicines, things like pseudoephedrine or amphetamine or Wellbutrin. These are medicines with a meaningful adrenergic load. The concern there is that when we mix them with the high adrenaline potency of selegiline that we could end up with high blood pressure. However, there's two important factors here. One, because the patch is rare to dysregulate blood pressure control by interfering with MAO regulation of tyramine in the gut, it's rare to have high blood pressure. Since it's rare to have high blood pressure, if we add an adrenergic agent, it's rare that that's going to be enough to push our blood pressure up. Think about people who are on Cymbalta and Stratera and an amphetamine all at the same time, their blood pressure rarely is dangerously high. Selegiline does not interfere with all of the MAO in your periphery. So it still leaves at the normal dosing enough MAO to break down most of the adrenergic stimulation or the norepinephrine or the adrenaline really stimulated in the periphery. There's still enough MAO available to break that down so we don't tend to get too much adrenaline stimulation from those adrenergic medicines. As you speak about this, what comes to mind is that in some respects, we've had the sense, the marketing sense that the antidepressants are very easy, very common to give, and a lot of good internists and gynecologists and others prescribe these and they do fine. This medication almost sounds like it needs a couple notches more training and expertise in order to do it properly. 
that's a fair assessment. Primary care doctors treat 98% of the infections that come through. They treat 98% of the high blood pressure that comes through. So they don't need to know all of the psychiatric medicines available. But when people are not effectively treated in the primary care setting for various reasons, the nature of the chemistry of a particular patient's depression, you'd like to know that you're sending a patient to the specialist, the psychiatrist, who has a command of all the approaches to treating, say, the depressive disorder or the anxiety disorder. And the clinician in the psychiatric setting certainly should understand MAOIs in general and the selegiline patch in particular because it's a useful tool to have among many. And therefore, there may be a reason why a primary care doctor is not comfortable with it. We do not have weight gain. We do not have sexual problems. We do not have blunting or foggy-headedness. The number one side effect is irritation from the adhesive. We deal with irritated skin by moving the patch and by using steroid creams or water-based steroids, moisturizing creams, making sure we wash all of the adhesive off, giving the adhesive a chance to air and have some of the acetone vaporize. Well, when you compare some skin irritation versus bad sex, weight gain, it's a no-brainer. Two quick questions before we run out of time, but they're big questions. Can an MAOI be used in older folks, kids? What about pregnancy? Across the board, how do we see it? The MAOIs in general have a long history of being used across the board because there were very few other options early on. The selegiline patch in particular is not approved currently for children, although we know that 90% of the medicines used for children are, are off-label. In old folks, in the elderly, senior citizens, there's no reason to avoid selegiline. Older people may very well be on more medicines, and we have to pay attention to what other medicines they have on board. One category we didn't get to are painkillers, but very narrow selection, just Demerol, Methadone, and Tramadol. Also, muscle relaxers like Flexeril. Mixed, they increase the risk for either an adrenergic stimulation or a serotonin stimulation. Which speaks to the fact that this is a medication that the user, the prescriber, really has to know a little bit more about it. One last question, an important question. How does one change from an MAOI to a regular antidepressant or vice versa? The FDA suggestions are that if you are washing out from another antidepressant to an MAOI in general, or patch in particular, that you basically give five half-lives for the antidepressant that is being washed out, the SSRI, the SNRI, whatever it is. On average, that's a week, according to the FDA, although it's a month for fluoxetine. When we're going from the patch to another antidepressant, the FDA recommends that we give two weeks for adding the new antidepressant. So unfortunately, the cross-titration that we do between modern antidepressants that are, you know, the SSRIs, the SNRIs, where we try to load the new one on quickly, we do have some delay. The reason that the FDA recommends two weeks is that the MAOI inhibits the MAO irreversibly. So your body has to make new monoamine oxidase for it to function in regulating the stimulated adrenaline or serotonin that comes with the new antidepressant. And in order to create enough, the FDA says to get the tank full, you need two weeks. In reality, we don't really need 100% of MAO stores in order to properly regulate the serotonin and or adrenaline that's stimulated by a new antidepressant. Very interesting and very nice to know that we have an old medication in a new form that is actually giving us a very significant clinical and therapeutic benefit. Stefan Quinzel is a psychiatrist at Beth Israel Medical Center in New York City. Thank you, sir, for being with us. This has been very interesting. It's a real pleasure. Thank